0: Good
1: morning, Mohammed. Morning, Sakina. Morning to
0: listeners. Now, Mohammed, yesterday you were going to keep an eye out for us on uh, the CPI figures, and uh, you spoke to us about your expectations. So, what did we eventually see?
1: Well yesterday's CPI number, it did actually tick higher as expected, but it came in marginally below the consensus expectation, as well as our expectation at at the bank capital. So it came out at 4% on a year-on-year basis. You'll recall that it was at 3.9% in in February. This is the March number at 4%. So moving in the direction as expected, but the quantum of that increase was a little bit, uh, I guess, better. I mean, lower inflation is always better for consumers. So better than the market's expectation. There's another measure called core inflation, and this, for the listeners' benefit, is when you strip out food and fuel. So it's a view of what's happening with regards to underlying demand in the economy. And core inflation also eased from 5.8% to 5.7%. So effectively indicating that broad-based inflationary pressures are largely, I would say, absent in this economy. And most of the upward pressures are effectively being exogenous. So the biggest upward drivers were actually in transport inflation, housing, and utilities. The surprise for me on the downside was actually that food prices, the food basket, that actually declined on a month-on-month basis. But I, I wouldn't get too excited. And the reason why I say that is that we've had a very sharp uptick in terms of maize prices because of this drought that we've had in South Africa over this particular harvest season. And you'd usually only expect that spike in terms of maize prices to come through to broader-based inflation was about a six to nine month lag. So probably as we head into September this year, we'd expect uh, a lot of upside pressure to come through for that inflation number. How did the market take it? Pretty much in its stead. We saw bonds pretty much stable, in fact, slightly weaker into the close. And then likewise, with regards to, to the RAND, pretty much a muted impact uh, on the day on that CPI print.
0: Mohamed luxury group uh, Rishvan has posted a profit warning.
1: Yeah, so, so this is as a precursor to the results that actually come out in, in, in March. And I think it caught a lot of people by surprise. So we saw it being released early morning yesterday before trade. Richmond coming out saying that they expected the net profit to be down by around 56%. Now, obviously, when you see a number like that, you think, holy smoke, this is going to mean lots of pressure for the share price. Ironically, as we headed into the tail end of yesterday, I mean, initially the stock was down, but as we headed into the tail end of yesterday, the stock was actually up around one and uh, one and a third percent. Uh, what does this loss actually stem from? Effectively, would be a currency loss with regards to the massive volatility we've seen, not just only on the euro, but also on the Swiss franc, which is also the currency that that uh, Richemont reporting as, as, as one of their, their their primary listing. Effectively, so a lot of people looking through that, saying that. Yes, the underlying results are maybe a little bit softer than anticipated, but most of this profit warning stems from currency fluctuations, and so perhaps that's the reason why the market did not react as severely as one would have expected. Uh, the underlying result may be a little bit softer. Let's keep an eye on that. Those results are towards the latter part of, of, uh, of May. And while
0: at BHP Billiton, uh, they've cut iron ore expansion. Do we know Why?
1: Now, now, this is an interesting story for me because it's, it's almost a little bit of marketing spin, if you ask me. So if you have a look at the BHP Bulletin, a uh, BHP Bulletin announcing that they're cutting the expansion spend with regards to iron ore. Now, the reason for this, if you have a look at what's happened with iron ore prices globally, there's a massive supply glut. Prices have been considerably depressed. And so announcing that you're actually cutting back on your expansion perhaps is the prudent thing to do. But what I think a lot of people potentially may have missed in the, in the announcement is that the actual output, the actual production, Production is actually set to be around 13% higher this year. So, effectively, BHU Bulletin becoming a lot more efficient on the production that they currently have on stream and also at the same time curtailing any further expansion. So maybe taking with one hand, giving with the other. That stock was up uh, just shy of 2.5% yesterday. Bearing in mind, there's a very important story with BHP Bulletin right now. That is the fact that they will be splitting out into two smaller companies. There'll be BHP Bulletin and there'll be another company called South32. Now, all of the the South African, the Australian operations will be going into that South32 listing. Uh, And in theory, this unbundling of this massive company, BHP, into two smaller constituent parts should unlock some value for, for shareholders. I mean, if you just cast your mind back to when Goldfield spun out Sibanye, uh, if you had actually held both of those pieces, it did actually unlock shareholder value longer term. So I think that's what a lot of people are looking forward to over the longer term with BHP Bulletin.
0: Well, we're going to leave it there for this morning. Thank you so much. Uh, Mohammed Nala from NetBank Capital. It is 13 minutes uh, before seven and uh, still looking at efforts afoot. uh, Government uh, reaching out, uh, you know, to many sectors and trying to get people to join hands in order to eradicate the scourge that is xenophobia. Transport Minister.